Welcome to Volume 3 of Saints. Boldly, nobly, and independent. Volume 2 concluded in 1893 with the saints celebrating the dedication of the Salt Lake Temple. Volume 3 now continues this fascinating history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints up to 1955 and the dedication of Europe's first temple in Switzerland. In this introduction episode, we get a sneak peek into stories of love, war, sacrifice, and compassion that fill these years of church history. And now, Saints, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Saints podcast. My name's James Perry, and I am one of the new co-hosts of the podcast, and I would like to introduce myself to you. I'm one of the historians and writers on the Saints Project, and I've worked closely with the scholars involved in the researching, writing, and editing of this book. And it's my pleasure to be able to join you over the next 41 episodes of this podcast as we discuss the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the period 1893 to 1955. I'd like to give you a little bit of information about myself. I joined the church in 2006 in the United Kingdom, and that is where I'll be speaking from for the duration of this podcast. I'm a returned missionary from the England Manchester Mission, and I live in Northumberland, England with my wife and two daughters. And I'm very pleased that my co-host Shailen Back is joining us for this next season. So Shailen, why don't you help our new and returning listeners know a little bit more about yourself? Thanks, James. I'm so excited to be back. Some of you may remember me from the last season of Saints, and also I helped to co-host the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. I'm also a return missionary. I served in the Ohio Cleveland Mission, where I got to be a missionary at the Kirtland Historic Sites and give tours of the beautiful places where the saints got to live and experience so many things that we got to read about in the first volume of Saints. And I am just so thrilled to be here. It's pretty exciting to see how the series has been received so far. There have been millions of people that have read the book all over the world, the website and on the app and in print. And we have been really thrilled to hear the reactions of how people are using the books in their callings and in their personal study and in their families. But James, I have a quick question. Why did this one take a little bit longer than the others to be released? Well, Volume 2 was released in February of 2020. And it's taken us a little bit longer to release this one because we wanted to make a really important change in how we published this volume. And that's because this volume, like the previous volumes, will be published in 14 languages. But this time, we wanted to release the book in those 14 languages at the same time. We didn't want to stagger the release dates. We wanted everyone to be able to access the book at the same time in those 14 languages. So it's taken us a little bit longer, but I'm so glad we've done that because this volume is a volume of the history of the church that most people are going to know the least about. It's also the volume where we see the growth and the rise of the church in international places. 
and that makes for thrilling reading. And we've got some fantastic stories. But we also have some other resources that are going to be available to our listeners and to the readers of the book, like the previous volumes, are going to have church history topics. And for the first time, the digital versions of the book are going to have photographs, videos, and audios embedded so that people can get to know some of the characters and can listen and see them. And so this is a very rich book of history, and I hope that you as our listeners will enjoy this journey as we find out more about this volume. And with that, let's introduce our guest, Elder Legrand R. Curtis Jr., who is a general authority for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and currently serves as the church historian and recorder of the church. And Elder Curtis, it's a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, Elder Curtis, this is an exciting time. We have the start of a new volume of The Saints. We've got a brand new podcast. And I wonder if we could just begin this new season of the podcast with this energy of a new book to discuss who some of your favorite characters and what some of your favorite stories have been in this volume, just to give our readers a taste of what's caught your attention. We've got some wonderful characters in this volume. One of my favorites is Peter Vlam, who is a Dutchman who goes off to run some errands one day and then doesn't come home. And his wife eventually finds that he's been taken prisoner by the Germans and spends almost all the war, the, that war. I'm giving away too much of the plot. He, he spent almost all of World War II in captivity. And then once he's released... He is one of the key figures in convincing his fellow Dutchmen to raise and donate potatoes to the starving Germans. It really is one of the great examples of Christianity in action. There's the wonderful story of Claudio dos Santos in Brazil as a new member of the church in a surprising way finds himself one of the leaders in the church, even though he's a brand new convert. The story of what Wallace and Martha Toronto go through in Czechoslovakia after World War II. The story of Nellie Middleton in Great Britain, what she does to try to find a way to find somebody who can bless the sacrament for her and the other sisters that are left to worship without priesthood authority. There are such strong characters in this volume, and it's neat for me to see some recurring characters that we've seen in volume one and volume two, but then we're introduced to so many new ones. Their stories are so incredibly inspiring, and it's really neat. Our listeners are really going to love getting to know them. I love the fact that the book is true to the title, Saints. I mean, we'll read about leaders of the church, women and men that just play vital roles in giving leadership. But we also read about everyday folks just trying to live the gospel in wonderful times, but also in some really trying times. And that's really engaging to be able to connect with these people who kind of are some of them everyday people. Well, and I think as well, we have leaders of the church today. We have regular Latter-day Saints. And regardless of a person's calling or their position in the church, there's something that they can learn from it, something that can inspire them. There's stories of missionaries. There are stories of mission presidents. There are stories of a bishop, stake presidents. Whatever you're doing in the church, there are ways to read these stories and just be inspired that little bit more. And I think you're right, Elder Curtis. It does try to be true to the title. 
It's also interesting that we'll see some of the leader, future leaders of the church as young members going through some of the same struggles that will seem really familiar to us. I love a young Neil Maxwell as a soldier during World War II. We'll see them as students. So I think there's some just terrific characters in the story. Our listeners will be really excited to know, too, that we are interviewing um, Neil A. Maxwell's son about his experience. And we just have some great guests coming up that have personal connections to a lot of the characters because this history wasn't that far away. So it's been really neat to have those personal connections. One of the things that I find personally intriguing is my parents and grandparents lived through these days. And so all my life, I've heard stories about the Depression and the stories about my dad serving in the military during World War II. And now I've got additional context for what I have heard about from my parents and grandparents over the years. And I think that just goes to show how church history because of the emphasis on the saints, also serves as a form of family history for many of the members. There's definitely a bridge between the two, and this volume sits very proudly as a story of the church, but also of families, individuals, Latter-day Saints. That's really true. As I talk to our family history colleagues, we talk about the fact that if you've been a member for a few years, and if you've got parents then family history is church history for many members of the church. Definitely. Thank you. Well, Elder Curtis, we would love to hear from your perspective, what have been some of the challenges in researching, writing, and publishing this particular volume? I'll mention two of them that I think are related. One is there are too many stories. We've got so many stories that we could have included in this volume. I mean, you think about it, volume one starts before there was a church, and we go through having a handful of members, and then a few hundred, then a few thousand. By the time we end this volume, we're over a million members of the church, and we've got stories all over the world that we could tell. And that's related to the second challenge, and that's we have simultaneously the story of the Latter-day Saints going on different places around the world. And you feel like you're leaving something out because there are places that we're not covering as much as we would really like to. So some parts of the geography get talked about more than others. Now, that said, we worked really hard to span the globe in terms of the stories we tell. And I'm really pleased that we've done it. But it was a challenge to try to have the right balance on that. Thank you for that, Elder Curtis. And hopefully as listeners go through the chapters and read the stories, it might help spark in them a greater appreciation for the history of the church and recognize that somewhere as remote as Tilsit, Germany in the 20th century could help tell the story of the church, as well as, you know, a small town in Mexico. And wherever we are, there's ways in which the stories of the saints feed into the history of the church. And I think, as you've mentioned, that makes it one of the more challenging aspects of the project. It also makes it so that you perceive a brotherhood and a sisterhood. We tell the story of a young German girl who is a beehive. I have a daughter that was a beehive, not at the same time, but this is a beehive who's trying to decide whether she should stick with that organization or join the Hitler Youth Program which seemed to have better activities than our church did. You can't help but hear these stories and feel a brotherhood and a sisterhood with members of the church around the world. I found myself wanting to get to know these people better 
and it, that helped me turn the pages to learn more and more about them. Thank you for that, Elder Curtis. And what we're going to do now is just take a moment to go back to when Volume 1 was released. And Elder Cook was able to share some of his thoughts about the Saints book. And he mentioned that everyone would be able to learn something new from reading the Saints books, you know, even the most avid reader and historian. And I wonder what were some of the most surprising things that you learned from this volume, personally? One of the surprising things for me was the reality of what members of the church and the people, others not of our church, living in Europe and living in Asia faced during World War II. To me, one of the more touching things is you've got these British saints worrying about the bombing and losing family members and friends to that. But then we also will go to some of the German characters and what is happening to them because of the Allied bombing that's going on. That was one of the things that the stark reality of the plight of members in the midst of war was a surprising thing to me. And there's a lot of war in this particular volume. There's some pretty huge global events. And the church, as we'll read throughout the volume, isn't just an enclave of believers in the Intermountain West. We have saints across the world in increasing numbers. So we are going to see these collisions where saints are caught up in more and more of these international events. The story of Brother Jeep, who was a branch president in Austria, basically cut off from the general church once the Nazis took over Austria, and what he did to try to care for his members. It is stark reality, and yet it is also just so touching to see the kingdom of God still blessing the lives of people under such difficult circumstances. Absolutely. It's been really valuable for me to experience kind of these world history events that I'm familiar with through the eyes of saints around the world and just really hearing their heart-wrenching stories and also heartwarming stories of the things that they go through. Mm -hmm. We know from reading volume one and volume two of saints that there's this component of tricky topics that are addressed. And we would like to know, Elder Curtis, what do you think are some of the trickier elements of church history covered in this particular volume? And how will coverage of these issues be of use to readers? I think that one of the challenging issues in history for many members of the church are race relations. And we will see in this volume, just as was introduced in the last volume, and we'll do more with it in volume four, the kingdom of God is for people of all races, of all countries. And we'll watch how that plays out. I love the story of good, faithful Latter-day Saints of African extraction, including some that are still in Africa, and them coming to terms with what it meant to be a Latter-day Saint and the strength of their faith and devotion to the Lord. I think there are also the tricky issues that come that as we go from being kind of in an enclave situation where we've gathered to one place in the Rocky Mountain West, we see in this volume people now going out or being converted to the church in other places to where now they're in the minority. And we get to see the interesting challenges of the church supporting people scattered all over the world. And we see us coming in contact with new ideas, intellectual ideas, and trying to deal with, well, how does our faith work with some of the intellectual currents of the day? 
Thank you for that, Elder Curtis. And of course, in the volume, hopefully readers will come away with a sense of inspiration or a desire to do good, but also to educate them, to cover the good and the bad, the difficult to understand or to try and understand why the church is the way it is and what processes it's gone through through time. Well, Elder Curtis, you've shared some of these stories that have been of interest to you, but I wonder, has there been a story that has meaningfully moved you as you've read it, a story that has perhaps really stood out to you and touched your soul? There are so many in this volume. One that I think about, and it touches me deeply, is the story of a German young adult named Helga, now grown up, meets a member of the church, and they decide to get married, and they're able to spend a few days with each other before he goes off to continue his service in the German military, and he wrote her every day, and then all of a sudden, after a few weeks, the letters stop, and she finds out that he had been killed. It just, in a powerful way, brings home the reality of these poor people trying to go about their lives in a world at war. I think that's a scene that is going to blow people away. We have it so easy in comparison to what some of the saints have been through in the past. This volume will include images, video, and audio material for the digital editions. And I just think this is such an exciting opportunity to have this supplemental material. Elder Curtis, what do you think this will do for readers? Oh, I think it's just terrific that we'll have this material. I was talking to a group about this book, and I showed them just a few seconds of that 1936 newsreel that was made by Time magazine and shown in movie theaters about the church, and it's about the church's welfare program. And they didn't want to hear me talk anymore. They wanted me to just play the newsreel. So I instead just gave them the link, and it has just been fascinating. I mean, in that, you get a look at talking and moving church history figures from the past. And we get to see the stark contrast of the good publicity the church was getting in 1936 because of our efforts to care for our own We called it the church security program in those days, the church welfare program today. It stands in stark contrast to how the church was treated in volume two by the powers that be. Being able to pull that up by just clicking on an icon. I mean, we tell the story of Len Hope and him joining the church. He's an African-American and he's persecuted for joining the church by the people in his neighborhood. But you get to hear If you click on the icon, you get to hear his testimony of the gospel and answers to the questions, why would somebody put up with what he put up with? Not to mention being able to see photographs of all these people. It really helps the readers get to know the people better. Now, our descriptions are terrific, but it's an added feature to be able to see the actual photographs. I had somebody who had looked at some of these volumes ask me, now, is this a real character? And the answer is, yeah, every one of these are real characters, and we can show pictures of them. Well, thank you. We write the books for for all members of the church and interested persons, but we especially want our young people to be able to understand their history, to understand their heritage. And I think with the way that so much media is consumed today, hopefully this will catch some interest and perhaps bring some of these characters to life for those who 
maybe struggle with lots and lots of text, but I'm sure all of our readers will be interested with the pictures and the videos and the audio files that are going to be included. I agree. And I think it gives us a good chance to see how this plays out. And the possibilities for volume four are just endless in terms of what we'll be able to do with things that we could attach. Absolutely. Elder Curtis, I wonder if you could tell us what are some of the ways that you think Latter-day Saints might be able to use volume three? We know that volume one was really crucial for people who are studying the Doctrine and Covenants, but what are some of the ways that volume three could be used? I think that volume three will bless lives in lots of ways. And and one of the most significant ways, I think, will be to understand the church as an international global body. I think it will enhance considerably the opportunity for us to know each other as brothers and sisters, to be able to feel a link, not just with these people of the past, but Latter-day Saints who live in Europe, who live in South America, who live in Asia. I think particularly in a time where we sometimes retreat to our own society, if not even our, our own homes, I think this reaching out and understanding the interconnectedness that we have with our brothers and sisters is a very powerful thing. I agree. Thank you for sharing that. I'm hoping that for Latter-day Saints, as they read this volume, it will help them see that they are part of something so much bigger. We live in a part of the world where we're a congregation of 30 to 40 people attending church on a Sunday. And for them to be able to see and and know that there's so much more to their church's history globally will hopefully, as you said, help them see the connections, help them feel connected to something bigger than what their immediate circumstances are perhaps telling them. I really love that, James. Elder Curtis, you mentioned before how many people around the world that will be introduced to and hear stories from. And we are taken to so many different locations around the world. And we would love to know what are some of the places readers are going to be taken throughout this volume? I think one of the more interesting places is they're going to be in Hawaii on the day that Pearl Harbor is bombed. And they're going to be with a congregation of Japanese Americans, which I think gives it a really interesting perspective. They're going to be taken on both sides of the world wars, World War I and World War II. They're going to be taken to the Olympics. They're going to be taken to Mexico and some challenges that existed where scores of members of the church left and then ways were found to bring them back. They're going to be taken to islands out in the ocean. They're going to be taken to South Africa. Okay, I left out somebody's favorite country, but we're going to see the global reach of God and his goodness and his church. You know, I think one of the wonderful things is we'll see the impact of young women and young men leaving home and going on missions and the excitement and what happens as they are missionaries. If I can share a personal example, I love the fact that we tell the story of the church in Czechoslovakia after World War II as the communists are taking over that country. My bishop, when I was growing up, was one of those missionaries. And he used to talk about his mission president and his wife and the experiences that he had. Hearing those stories made me long for my day of getting to go and be a missionary. And 
frankly, reading the stories now, I think can have a real positive impact on people and their desire to join God's great missionary force. I think it'll impact young women and young men in a powerful way. And one of the ways, Elder Curtis, I hope that this might affect readers is that it might inspire them, if they're not already doing it, to keep a journal. Because that is how the Saints book is possible, is that people kept accounts, they kept records, they preserved the stories of the experiences that they went through. And Czechoslovakia, or in every case in this volume, we're reliant on records that in some cases have been miraculously preserved. And someone may think, well, why would anyone want to know my story? And I'm sure some of the characters that we feature in this book would think, well, why would someone ever want to know about my life? But for future generations, it can invoke powerful spiritual experiences to see how people lived their faith in such trying circumstances. You know, those journals are just so important. And we may think, well, I'm not in any particular interesting situation. And yet, those people writing in their journals, even when they didn't think that anything would ever become of that, that have enabled us to write these volumes. The journals, letters that they wrote, Mm -hmm. in some cases, memoirs that they wrote, their little autobiography, have given us the ability to go back in time and to tell the story. And we're just so blessed. I sometimes will, as I'm talking to people, I'll say, what day was the church organized? And they'll say, April 6th, 1830. And I say, okay, when was the Aaronic priesthood restored? Well, they know it's May 15th. 1829. I say, okay, how about the Melchizedek priesthood? And the answer is, we don't know, because nobody wrote it down. Well, thank you for that, Elder Curtis. I think that need to preserve history is shown throughout this volume. And for our listeners and readers of volume three, they know, hopefully, that there's going to be another volume after this. And The church history department has obviously invested a considerable amount of time, money, energies in putting these books together. And for some of our readers, this might be the first or only church history publications that they've consumed. I wonder if you could tell us what Latter-day Saints could expect from the church history department over the next few years. I think one of the really exciting things that we've got coming from the church history department are some very important things with respect to women's history in the church. There is a terrific book that is close to being finished on the history of the young women's program in the church. And the impact that teenage girls being taught the gospel and being loved by their advisors through the years and the magnificent story as to how that has laid the foundation for so much good that's happened in the church. One of the interesting things that we're going to do, we've got two more volumes of the Joseph Smith papers, actually three more volumes to come out, and they basically are completed, but we're still in doing the finalization of them, and they are fantastic. I had an experience a few weeks ago of reading all the documents that concern Joseph Smith from the last six weeks of his life. It is just a fascinating read. Even though it's a documentary compilation, which usually is a little more dry than some ways of reading history, but to see the step-by-step what was happening 
as Joseph Smith was going to be murdered is a fascinating study. And then what we're seeing come out are more and more volumes that use the resources that were put together in the Joseph Smith Papers, which is a 26 volumes of the documents from Joseph Smith's life. We're seeing things written about it. And one of the products that we're going to be doing in the church history department is a book of Joseph Smith's teachings. Given what we now know from having all these records, we're going to be able to present to the members a volume where they can have as a resource a distillation of those documents into what Joseph Smith taught. We've got another volume that we're going to do in connection with Brigham Young. He gets sometimes kind of a hard image projected about him. And the question always is, why did the saints love him so much if he was this difficult person that those outside of the church sometimes want to portray? Well, it's because that's a false image. We're going to do a volume that focuses on the letters that people wrote Brigham Young and the letters he wrote in return, the fatherly advice that he gave to the members of the church. And it is going to present a realistic and I think really illuminating vision of what Brigham Young is like. I am just grateful that every day I get to deal with the history of this magnificent church. And to tell the truth, my testimony grows day after day as I see the work done by our wonderful professionals in this department, and as I get to read the documents that come from all the different eras of our history. Thank you, Elder Curtis. I just can't help but be fascinated at how our time with our use of technology and the digital assets that we have are affecting not only how we keep records, but also they affect our access to records. I just think these projects that you're talking about are going to be available to people around the world that would never have had this kind of access to this information. And then also looking forward to volume four, I'm just interested in how keeping journals and letters and all of these things that have helped create the other volumes of saints. I just wonder how technology and the records that we have because of that are going to affect volume four. I just think it's such a fascinating time that we're in. And it just has such an interesting connection to how we view history. I think that's absolutely the case. Now you think about it, we're going to be writing in volume four from after the dedication of the Swiss temple. Well, we've got recordings of conference talks and we're going to have film footage of different trips. We're going to have material available in lots of different languages. And I think one of the real fascinating things is as we go backward, we might have been interviewing grandchildren or great-grandchildren of these historical figures. We're going to be interviewing the, some of those individuals themselves as we tell the ongoing story. And I think part of what is going to be fascinating about it is we're going to see the church mature around the world. We will see stakes in places where there weren't even members a few years before. I'm excited for the story that we have to tell as we go into the future. Me too. Definitely. Thank you for sharing. Elder Curtis, we'd also love to know, while we have you here, how did the different divisions of the church history department work together to produce this volume, which we know is such a massive effort? We are blessed to have different divisions. You know, with our museum division, we happen to have there in our collection 
articles that have to do with the different things that we talk about in this volume. So the museum division is involved. We have the archives of the church. And so we are able to pull out records and talk authoritatively about what happened in particular meetings or at particular events. We've got our library that is such a terrific source of the journals and the letters and the memoirs that form the basis of so much of what we've got. And of course, we've got our international aspect of what we do. We, we used to call it the global division. It now entails all our collections from around the world. And so they have had a real role in us making sure that we've got the right information and get in touch with the people that we need. Even though our publications division plays the principal role in putting this together, We've been blessed that all of our divisions have had important roles to play in connection with putting together the Saints volumes. Well, Elder Curtis, it's been great having you on the podcast. But before you go, we would like to know what you hope readers of Saints Volume 3 will take away from this volume. I hope that what readers will take away from this volume is having had an experience with the Lord's Spirit. I hope that what they get is that they will feel the power of God's Spirit that operated in the lives of these women and these men, including many that lived in just incredibly difficult circumstances or played vital roles in laying the foundation for what we have today in the church. I hope that they will feel the Spirit of God deep in their souls. Now, they'll find the book entertaining, they'll find it engaging, they'll find it very interesting, they'll find it informative. I hope they find it to be a spiritual feast as they see the hand of God working with his Latter-day Saints in our era. Thank you so much, Elder Curtis. We've been so fortunate to be able to have you on the podcast with us today. It's been such a pleasure to hear your expertise and also just all of the valuable perspectives that you bring um, to this conversation. And I hope that our listeners will be as excited as we are to continue reading Saints and following along with all of these wonderful characters. So thank you. You're welcome. And thanks, James and Shaylin, for the roles you play. You're a great blessing to us. Thank you for that, Elder Curtis. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you took away some new insights into this volume. And we would love to hear your thoughts, opinions, questions, and insights from this chapter of Saints. And you can email saintspodcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. It would be great to hear from you. Until next time, I'm James Perry. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks so much for listening.